0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, We are finishing up our series, kind of excited about this, not to be done with it. I always enjoy it. So we, a lot of times we're looking at uh, different parts in God's Word, or we're looking at sometimes topics, and we're talking about how does that apply to us. And I think it's always a fascinating journey to look at the history that God has, and look at it maybe from a little bit new perspective, and say, what does this even mean to me? So as we look at what is happening in Mary's life as we look at what's happening in Zechariah's life and Elizabeth's life all these things are kind of colliding in Luke chapter 1 and what does this mean for us and I think we'll see that same thing is true as we look at Zechariah and what's going on in his life so the, the story we're talking about expectation so a little bit of background here we have two baby stories in uh, in Luke chapter 1 the first is talking about what is coming up so the angel appears to Zechariah remember in Zechariah He's once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, he's serving at the temple, they cast lots to try and get this opportunity, he is working, and he's probably a little bit nervous, and then suddenly here is the angel of the Lord appearing to him and announcing this good news, and the good news is that he's going to have a child, and of course, Zechariah is a little skeptical, I mean, this could be from age or whatever situation, but he's a little skeptical, he's saying, I don't quite see this going down, and God says, all right, here's the deal, the angel says, um, in his his words exactly, Zechariah is saying, like, how do I know this is to be true? Like, how can I be sure of this? And he's talking to an, the holy angel of God and the angel says, my name is Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. You will not speak again. That's it, right? And so and so now he, and then he has to go through and come out and try to communicate to the people without being able to speak that this is what's happening and the people somehow understand that it, he saw a vision and that he can't talk and, you know, the service ends. and it goes on. So it's not much later that, Gabriel has, like, he hasn't worked for years, and now he's got two jobs coming up, and this is the second time he has to appear to Mary. and Mary is, it doesn't quite say terrified, that's what um, Zechariah said, but Zechariah was supposed to be alone, and maybe that's part of it, right? He is supposed to be alone, and he's already nervous in the holy place, and then boom, here's this angel. He's like, what are you doing there? Just like, um, you're supposed to be alone. There's different places in your house where you're normally alone, you can imagine. Just imagine there's a human being there, there's an angel there, you'd be like, oh, I was not expecting that. That even happens, my kids still try and scare me. By kids, I mean my kid. One of them tries to still scare me regularly. So, um, so this is what's happening. And then the angel appears to Mary. It never says she's terrified, but she's disturbed at these words. "Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you." And she's trying to figure this all out. And the angel says, "You're going to have a child. He's going to be fantastic, and he's going to be great. And you're going to name him Jesus." And at the end of it, which we just talked about last week, she simply says, "You know, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be as you said." But the evidence that God gave, the angel said, here's how you know that this is true, is you get a chance to go. If you want to find out for sure, your, your relative Elizabeth is pregnant. In her old age, she's going to have a baby. So we don't know who Mary told, if she told anybody. I mean, my suspicion is she doesn't quite know how to process this as we talked about, like, what's the next step. She's pregnant, she's young, she's not married, she has to somehow explain this to her friends and her family and all the relatives, and instead she goes, you know what, I'm going to go see Elizabeth. And I just picture Elizabeth, this is my own mind, um, but I picture Elizabeth being kind of this kind-hearted, gone through a lot of stuff, right? Prayed to the Lord, it says, and God had not granted her prayer for a child, and she she's nervous, she shows up to see Elizabeth, and Elizabeth says, it is so delighted to see her. And in that moment of acceptance and joy, Mary sings or says, the... the Kind of the most famous word she's ever said, the Magnificat. So this is up to speed. So now, right at the end of that, it says that Mary stuck around with Elizabeth for about three months. So six months plus three months, it's nine months. We don't know if that means they're going to actually have this child or not, or she just left before she was about to give birth. So we're going to look at the account um, of Elizabeth giving birth. A couple of things that go on here that the the whole series is called um, A Season of Expectation. And is there anything, and I think this is kind of awesome. Advent and Christmas is the season of expectation. I don't think we have that same view with any other time, at least in my, my world. I don't think, um, like, Halloween people aren't, like, the season of expectation, and I don't think we think about that, like, Valentine's Day or Fourth of July. Either. But Christmas is just, like, driven by this expectation. And can you think of one event in life that is driven by high expectation? I would say the highest is probably pregnancy. I mean, in my mind, like, the first time, if you have kids, the first time you heard, like, your wife or you are pregnant and you're like, this is unbelievable. Like there's this clock ticking and all, the whole world changes because it's not something you experience. And it's, it's totally different. And then you go to the baby stores and usually, it's in, does Babies R Us still exist? I was wondering that. Toys R Us is kind of done, I think. But Babies R Us, done? Where do people go to find babies? Target. Target and Amazon taking over the world together. That is what's happening. So, well, you, if you ever go, I mean, do you ever go to, the, like, the baby section? I I find that, like, somehow it's generational, so, like, moms go with, like, new moms, expecting moms go with, like, their mom and even, like, the grandma that go together. You don't see too many guys going around with their wife to go find this stuff, and then they, they hear st- tales of woe, like when they were, when we had a baby back when I was pregnant, we didn't have this thing. We didn't have baby belts, and we didn't have, we didn't have disposable anything, and, I was the diaper genie, right? Like all these, stu- they, this is how it kind of goes down. So all this expectation of looking forward to this experience you've never had, and I think this is kind of a cool thing as we look about Advent. the Advent readings, are really about expectation of the baby. So if we would just follow how we've followed it in the sermon series, um, Elizabeth's been, pro- uh, she's been pregnant approximately three weeks because it was only three weeks ago that we talked about Elizabeth is now pregnant, right? But this is a nine-month thing. She's elderly older it says beyond childbearing years she's going through all this experience and the, the child is going to come and meanwhile what is Zachariah saying about this nothing he can't talk so that was a trick question that was a trick question I was listening to a comedian talking about this and he's like you know the bible's full of amazing miracles but getting an older guy to not say much is not one of them like he's like this is the lamest of all the miracles like he said you know the wife maybe but I don't agree with this comedian Not appropriate. (laughs) But what are they saying? They're saying, so Zechariah now is, to imagine, cannot talk. And we're going to see a section here that seems like he can't even hear. So we're going to jump in and go through it. So this is in Luke chapter 1. This is not the right section. Uh, Oh, yeah, it is. Okay um i was like i was scared because mine starts later uh, when the time of his service was completed he returned so this is after the first appearing of the angel after this his wife elizabeth became pregnant and for five months re- remained in seclusion why do you think she remained in seclusion we don't know for sure but if you were elderly and god said mir- your husband said miraculously the lord is going to give us a ch-. well he didn't say he wrote on a tablet somehow or charaded, never challenge, when you go to heaven, never challenge Zachariah to charades because he's really good at it. So he went through and explains that an angel came to him and said, you're going to have a child. I think, so just put that together. Remember, we talk about the stigma that socially that happened for them. Um, You wanted babies, and you wanted a baby boy so you could carry on your line. This is a big, big deal in that culture. She had no kids, and so she stays in seclusion five months. And the Lord has done this for me," she said. "In these days, He has shown His favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So, what a meaningful thing this would have been for her! All the doubts that would have happened, and just to wonder—is this real? And it—the only thing equivalent I could think of. uh, Some of you, I know, have struggled with pregnancy, but I mean that, and maybe you've used in vitro fertilization and things like that. But I mean, just to wonder—is this really it? Is this really happening? And is this, is this going to be it? Or maybe you've suffered a loss. Um, if you've had a miscarriage or something like that, and you're wondering, like, there's those windows of time, and you're just saying, is this, is this actually going to happen? And here's Elizabeth, older, five months along, and saying, this is real, right? The reality of God's blessing and God's love, this is real. I'm going to have, and the disgrace, I can now go in public, and people can say, she is really pregnant. And I think that would have been pretty powerful. So the day comes when they're getting ready. So the time came for Elizabeth to have her baby. She gave birth to a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy, which is great. So it just tells you what kind of person Elizabeth is. They're not bitter at her with the success she had. So the way that that culture works is, um, in some cultures, they don't name babies. So like if you go to Hawaii, I think it is, they don't name a baby for a long time. Sometimes, I think it's like a year. and Maybe I'm misunderstanding that. Some of you have been to Hawaii more recently than I have. By recently, I mean at some point, <laughs> right? And then they wait. There's this long period, and there's a long period of time. And they would do that. They would name the baby on the eighth day. So you even hear about that with Jesus' birth when he goes into the temple for the, this um, circumcision. So they're getting ready. And it says, On the eighth day they came, and they would have been like the priests at the time. We think priests and relatives came to circumcise the child. This probably would have been an elaborate ceremony. Relatives are there. And they're going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. Right? So his mother, somehow Zechariah indicated to her, the angel said, uh, that we're going to have a baby, and he's going to be great, and it's going to be amazing, but we're supposed to name him John. And John it just means like God is gracious, and I think that's kind of a cool name. So the God said that we're going to name him God is gracious. So they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name, which is the, what is the issue here? The reason you want a boy at that culture is so that you can pass down the name of your son. And this could this could be like, to the second and the third and the fourth generation, they have all this connection of your family name, and there's some irony here. What is the irony about John carrying on the name of Zechariah? John never gets married, and John never has kids. So as far as Zechariah and Elizabeth know they have this son, and he grows up and he never finds a girl, and he's never married, and he's a prophet of God, and still we know his name why two thousand years later because of what a prophet he was. So now they make signs to his father to find out what they would name him. Why would they have to make signs if he could hear? Well, I mean, isn't that interesting? So, I mean, when I was a kid, they, they always talk about that. Like, he can't talk. So, if he couldn't talk, he could still understand it. If you said, what should we name them? And he'd go, okay, got it. But somehow, like, the world is just closed out uh, for this nine-month period. He can't hear, it seems. He can't speak, it seems. And he asks for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astam- uh, astonishment, he writes... His name is John. What's happening here? Um, and this is where I want to spend a little bit of time before we go on. The story, I, I think you know, the account you know. But what is happening here? There's a graph, as some of you are, are aware of. That I think it's Elizabeth Keebler-Ross, if I remember. Uh, is that how you said that? Keebler, Keebler right? Keebler? Keebler, I think. Uh, Keebler-Ross, grief cycle. So you imagine this, right? There's this denial and anger and bargaining and depression and acceptance. If, I don't really watch The Simpsons, but there's one super funny thing where they came to Homer and they told him some traumatic event and he went through all five of these stages in about four seconds. It was pretty awesome. So, but what is happening for Zechariah? And I want to bring that up for a second. Um, I think this is where we get some things. So Zechariah has some doubts that God is going to fulfill, that God's word is true. And now his struggle is moving from this denial to acceptance. And I think every single one of us kind of understand that in some degree, this idea of kind of going from here is the reality that God says and then here is total acceptance. And I think sometimes it's, let's just back up before we say from God's word. Um, Has anyone here ever found out news that you're sick? Like seriously sick? Uh, find out maybe some of you are struggling with the fact that you're dying, right? This is this is something that's going on or you're struggling with something that says, um, here's the reality, your child, and this has happened to us, your child is not gonna be born and, and, and live, right? This is, and you go through all this emotional thought. This is not from God. This is just from a doctor, right? So a doctor comes to you and, and doctors are smart and, and they say something, but there's still this moment where you say, I don't really wanna accept what they're saying is true I kind of want to go through my own journey and figure out if it's really true. So I'm going to get a second opinion. Uh, I'm going to go talk to someone else. Uh, I've got a left eye that's going blind, right? I, I don't really want to accept that that's true. And so I talk to my friends and they say, you should go talk to another doctor and you should find out if this is really true. You should try this experimental drug. How many of you have experienced someone really close to you and they say, they, they have come to acceptance and they say, here's what's going on, I'm really, really sick. And you say, no, 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 that can't be true young man uh, he's in his 20s uh, his mom was sick with cancer and i've, I've told this story before Remember for she's a member of ours that's now in heaven but she was so sick and um, her liver was failing and they had to make a decision between having surgery on that liver or not and the son is saying we got to do everything possible to keep mom alive and mom was the one who was holding his hand saying it's just no my time has come like my window is closed I think it's hard enough from a human perspective because in humans there's always error, right? There's always this possibility that they made some kind of mistake. And it's just like this reality of any kind of real news that comes from a person. If you get a phone call that says you might be laid off or you get this phone call that says you're gonna be, uh, they're gonna break up with you or you get a phone call that says like school is not gonna work out or you failed that test. There's always this possibility that they're wrong because it happens. I could give you countless stories where you're so nervous about something and they're like, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Like, that was my fault. Zechariah has this time, and I think this is a fascinating thing. What is going through his head is God says, you're going to have this child. This is God's word to you, and he says, that can't be possible. And God says, you're not going to speak and you're not going to hear anything. A friend of mine likes to do silent retreats because there's something unique about just going out in, in nature and in the wilderness and closing out what the world says. And just thinking, like, where do I stand with God and where does that sit? What would it be like? I mean, just imagine this. And, and maybe you function like this. Uh, is there anyone else who wears, like, headphones when they work? Uh, a lot of you, if you ever come here during the day, I have headphones on. Sometimes there's no music. Most of the time there's no music. In fact, I wear earplugs with headphones that don't have any music. Because to me, to like shut out any sound is just so like my brain could think. And here, Zechariah is forced into this situation where God says, I want to shut out all distractions from the world. You're not going to hear anything. You're not going to be say anything. You're just going to have to sit and think. And what did God want him to sit and think on? He wanted to sink and sit and think on his word. The last thing God says essentially to him is you'll be silent. But before that, he says you, miraculously, your wife is going to have a child. What would it be like? And, I, and, and this is what we, when we talk about spending time in God's word and we talk about devotions, what would it be like if somehow you could really just shut out the whole world and you could just wake up in the morning and you didn't have any obligations and you could and, and shut out like all these other things that whirl through your head? Because I think most of us, when we'd sit down and you just take a moment to say, hey, let's meditate on this word of God, how long does that last? Like, if you just get up in the morning, you say, I'm going to spend five minutes in prayer without distraction. Has anyone ever made it five seconds? Right? I, to me, it's more like riding a bull. Like, I'm like, all right, God, Lord, we, I, I'm going to spend this time with you, and I wonder if I can pick up the kids today. No, Lord, I'm going to spend some time on here, and I wonder if I have enough eggs. Right? Like, this is what's is hap- Has this ever happened to you? And just, and I think sometimes maybe our opening prayer is, God, wherever I'm at today, I want you to let my heart focus not on all what the world is going on, but I want to focus on your word and your truth. And the hardest place to do that is when what God's word says something that you don't want it to say. It's really easy, um, but it, it's really hard when you, when God says, "I want you to be content in all circumstances." As you look and, and it doesn't seem like the bills are lining up, that's pretty hard to say. God, I accept that is true, right? that maturity, if we talk about that, and that's what's so amazing about Mary, is God says, you're going to give birth to a child, there's no anger, bargaining, depression, or anything, she just simply goes, I'm the Lord's servant in acceptance. Ironically, this older man who is a priest, God says, he goes from denial, and who knows what thoughts went through his head, but nine months later, when he says his name was John, what did he get to? He got to a point that says God's word is true. And I think maybe the thing that we pull away from this is every time every day if you spend time in god's word you're confronted with something that's hard and maybe the thing you struggle with is gossiping and you say god i I don't want to believe that this is actually a big deal or maybe it's a sexual sin and you want to say god i don't want to really believe that this is a big deal or maybe it's anger and you say you know what everybody gets angry i just get a little bit more angry or maybe it's you know i'm not really controlled by alcohol i'm not really controlled by um, recreational drugs. And I could stop any time, right? There, there's all kinds of lies we say to ourselves and every single time we're, we're in denial. And God through his Holy Spirit is working our heart to say, this is where I want you. This is maturity. That when you read my word, that you jump immediately to acceptance to say, God, I don't totally understand, but I accept what you are saying is true. And I think the most beautiful thing about this passage is sometimes we, we don't have a real high regard for Zechariah, but what has happened? God has come to him God has given him a moment to wrestle with something and he comes to the right conclusion that God, what you say is true. Immediately, his mouth is open. He said, his name is John. His mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak. Praising God, all the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking what then is this child going to be? for the Lord's hand was with him. So his father was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through the holy prophets of long ago, Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies, and to enable us to serve Him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for Him, to give His salvation the knowledge, give His people the knowledge of salvation, for the forgiveness of their sins, because the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine in those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide her feet in the path of peace child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until appeared publicly in israel two things and i think and then we finish up today one is just imagine for a second uh elizabeth and mary during this time right mary is now pregnant Uh, we think Mary's pregnant and she's expecting this child, she doesn't know what to do, and Elizabeth is here and you have this child in your hands and you always wonder, what about this child? Can you imagine reading the scriptures and thinking what the Bible is saying about the great prophet who's going to be like Elijah is in your hands? Can you imagine Mary reading all the prophecies and I bet she went over them again, this would be my guess, to see what and who the Messiah was going to be and then to know, like, in her womb, the promises of God are being fulfilled. That's one Two is we talked about denial and acceptance, and my guess is all of us are struggling with something that we'd like to say, God, I wish Your Word would just turn a little bit so this was easier to accept. But the reality is, God comes to us with His Word and He says none of us can stand before Him, and He comes to us with Word and says this is right and this is wrong. And I think every single one of us on some level struggles with that. But then you see the beauty of Jesus, I think, the Savior who's going to come, and He comes. And what is God's message for him? God's message is, you were born so that you can die. And you don't see, you don't see Jesus saying, no, 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 this can't. Anger, denial, bargaining. God, your will be done. And the reason he says that is he looks at all of you and he knows he has a job to do. And he looks at all of our own sin and our own denial and our own holding on to our own sins and our discontent and our gossiping and our anger and our uh, abuse and our addictions. And he says, I want those to go on my shoulders. And God says, you're going to suffer for all these other people. And and he says, thy will be done. They will be done all the way to the cross. So why do we celebrate? God says there's nothing we can do to win our salvation and I think that's maybe the hardest thing to deny that there's some reason, God, you should like me but God is saying you've got to deny that. God, you're going to love me anyway just be, and just let me do my thing and we've got to deny that and accept the reality that we have no right to stand before God and yet we have the beauty to sing God's praises that he's going to send one who's going to redeem us and one who's going to lift us up and one during this holiday to recognize that Christ truly has come and Christ truly has come and take our sins away so that we get to live a new life, a new life that says, a maturity that says when God comes with his word, we get to spend time in that and get to that point so quickly of God, your will be done. Amen. Uh, Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, during Advent, we anticipate so many things, uh, but right now, heavy on our hearts are lots of things. Uh, friends of ours are sick we may be struggling ourselves there's messages that we don't want to hear in your word about the sins that we struggle with our relationships that are kind of at ends and we we know we we like to be right instead of like to love Uh, we pray that you melt all and kind of chip away the calluses on our own heart and we can focus truly and just shut out the world around us especially during this season just if somehow miraculously we can just shut the world around us. We don't hear what they're saying. We don't hear what they see what they're saying. We can't even speak. We just listen to your word and your word says so clearly that you love us, so clearly that our sins are wiped away, so clearly uh, give us acceptance of this and a joy during the season to celebrate in a savior who really has come. We ask this in your name, amen.